On this episode of Burn Line, we taste the Cohiba Weller Collaboration Cigar and pair it with Weller Special Reserve. Join us for this special cross-tasting event. Burn Line Podcast. The burn line on a well-crafted cigar is straight and sharp as a razor, much like our wit and wisdom. And welcome everybody to Burn Line Podcast. I'm your host. John Packer Jr. And I'm your host, Nicholas McCann. Nicholas, good morning. Good morning, John. And we are coming to you not live from the hot box, the smoky back room of the Blanco Cigar Lounge at Union Cigar, Hanover, Pennsylvania, USA, the only Blanco Cigar Lounge in North America. I think we can still say that for now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Soon to be the first, but uh, for now, the only Welcome to our little cigar shop. So we've got a pretty special treat today. We've got the Cohiba Weller, so high-end collaboration cigar, and we are actually going to pair it with some Weller Special Reserve. So what I was thinking, Nick, was we would go ahead and get our cigars going and try to taste, you know, the at least the first third part of it on a clean palate because you know alcohol can can really blunt the palate. And try to get some of those flavors, um, and then we'll get into the Weller uh, bourbon, um, and then uh, we'll see how they pair. Because I guess you know there's a difference between how things taste individually and like when you put them together. Right. Yeah. The they taste different standalone as opposed to throwing them in the in the ring together. Right. But, uh, right. Don't twist my arm to to have a drink here and have a cigar with you, John. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are suffering. For all of you guys out there in podcast land, so that you don't have to go through this torture. Yeah, I mean, but it's it, last week we really did. Like that was a terrible episode, and I'm never going to do that again. And somebody should have told me no. Um, all right, it, I think it's time for our official cut and light. So we're going to go ahead and snip these cigars. John forgot his cutter and his lighter. John did not forget his cutter and lighter. He was trusting Nick to provide the appropriate accoutrement. And we are going to clip this cigar with authority. No limp-wristed cigar clipping allowed. I do this thing every time I cut a cigar where I uh, bang the cap end on my hand and to get the loose tobacco off. I saw someone uh, from Quesada Cigars do it, and I loved it. Yeah, so if you hear a pogo stick in the background, that is Nick tapping the loose cigar leaf off of the cap. That's pretty cool. I'm going to try that. Mm -hmm. I like that. So cold draw... Obviously raisins, but that's a lot of cigars. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, and it is time for the official lighting. And as always, we remind you, toasted, not roasted. Toasted, not roasted. Toasted, not roasted. Toasted, not roasted. It's toasted. I get it. So let's go ahead and throw some fire on these. And Nick is going with a classic cedar strip lighting i am using a single flame butane jet lighter and we're still going and the reason we're still going is you want to toast your cigar and we make a big deal out of it because this is one of those aspects of smoking the cigar that can really change the difference in the experience and to be honest john if you do this wrong you can ruin it Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the uh, user error part of cigar smoking, you know, where you might have a worse experience than you were expecting or wanted to have uh, because you did it wrong. So we're here to help coach you uh, as well as entertain you. And since you guys are audio only, um, Nick is over here playing uh, caveman with his uh, fire stick. Meanwhile... I am holding my cigar vertically while blowing across the top of the foot to get that cherry nice and red without uh, scorching the leaf. And it looks like I've got a pretty good burn going on here. And look at that. I am already enjoying the dulcet notes of this wonderful cigar. And it looks like Nick has captured a saber-toothed tiger and is dragging it back to his cave. We'll get there eventually. (laughs) It's a process. 
So let me talk about this Cohiba Weller cigar while uh, Nick toasts his cigar. Um, this is made by General Cigar in their Dominican Republic uh, factory. And this is a sort of a new addition. They had come out with a collaboration in 2021. Um, this new edition has a few changes. So the wrapper is Ecuadorian Sumatra, and the binder is Connecticut Broadleaf that has been barrel-aged in Weller barrels uh, for six months. And that's the main difference between this edition and the last one. Uh, the previous collab did not include any actual Weller bourbon. So uh, this one, uh, you can't call it uh, infused, but the binder did spend some time making friends with uh, Weller, right? Yeah, we'll say we'll say barrel aged. Barrel aged. There were there five different filler tobaccos in that. Yeah, there is. Um, so I always smoke the cigar ahead of time for the show um, because most of these cigars smoke longer than the show, and I want to give people you know a really fair experience. Um, and I will tell you, there was. A ton of flavors and some of them were like confusing and competing um, and I think that's because of the uh, extensive use of microbiomes microclimates to grow the different tobaccos so I am well lit I have a decent burn line which is pretty important on a podcast named burn line so the presentation of this cigar it comes in a beautiful black lacquered wooden box. It is 10 side by side in a black tubo that has both the Weller logo and the famous Cohiba logo with the red dot. I like the, the details on the right hand side, the wrapper binder filler details. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I guess the width of the cigar box could fit 12, but they fit 10 and the last uh, right hand panel inside the box uh, it has a nice gloss black um, paper on there with you know the gold leaf with the Weller uh, logo and the Cohiba logo and it's got the wrapper the filler the binder uh, and the aging uh, on there um, including the batch number to the bourbon barrel um, so it's pretty uh Pretty well done. I think I think this is you know kind of the presentation we would expect uh, from these two brands. And so, uh, based on this box, the filler includes Piloto Cubano, uh, Honduran Jamastrin, La Entrada, um, Oso, or Osa, I should say, and uh, both Ligero and Viso from Esteli in Nicaragua. So that is a lot of filler tobacco. Yeah, a lot of a lot of competing. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully complimentary flavors, right? Well, we're about to find out and let the world know. This uh, cigar retails for twenty six twenty five here at Union Cigar Hanover. If you live in a communist state like New York, you are going to pay quite a bit more thanks to their uh, taxation with uh, shitty representation. So I think we've probably smoked enough to have some idea about the flavor. And we, we kind of wanted to taste this cigar you know, on our palate before tasting any alcohol so what uh, what are your initial thoughts nick um the sweetness from from the weller and the broadleaf binder is uh is apparent mm -hmm. um, but there's also the i guess it's a it's a strong cedar woodsy mm -hmm. note from the from the sun-grown ecuadorian wrapper mm -hmm. um, and so that it's like a sweet earth that i'm getting yeah, I like both of those. So on this sort of initial, you know, I'm like half an inch in. Um, the sweetness is uh, prominent. Um, there's like a uh, sort of barnyard earthy uh, component to it. And uh, just a touch of pepper. Um, I think when I retrohale it, I'm getting pepper and like raisins or dried fruit. Yeah, and I love this gauge too. Uh, I think it's a six by fifty. Mm -hmm. um, yes, perfect. By, perfect Toro size. Six by fifty Toro, and I was commenting last week on the one Vitola that I couldn't 
seal my lips around because it was a small ring gauge box press. Um, for me, 50 is the sweet spot. 52 is good. 48 is good. Anything smaller or bigger, I start to get uh, issues with. Uh, but 50, sweet spot for me. We'll get we'll get you onto some Lanceros, some uh, Lonsdales here in a couple episodes. <laughs> well, I like uh, I like Lanceros. I know it's a controversial topic. Um, as long as I'm indoor and not under a fan, so it stays lit. Um, but I still have trouble sealing. And for those of you, you know, that can't see me because you're listening, um, I have been hit in the mouth many times, mostly with hockey sticks, and. Uh, I have quite a bit of scar tissue built up, particularly on the right side of my mouth. In fact, I'm, I'm partly paralyzed, and uh, that affects my ability to seal around a cigar. So, you know, physical handicaps can affect your cigar smoking enjoyment. So I just wanted to put that out there for all of you. And uh, for our friends that come in here, you know, in the shop and uh, smoke with us, um, just seeing, like, the differences in... Uh, all of their palettes, capability, you know, it, even lip size and shape, like it changes your ability to enjoy a cigar. I was going to say we hear this commonly with the strength, mm -hmm. uh, nicotine yeah. level, yeah, is is probably the biggest difference in in person to person. Mm -hmm. Where one person says, you know, holy cow, that's a strong cigar, and another person's like, well, that's my breakfast cigar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, Tim smoked cigarettes for years. His uh, tolerance level is different. Um, but for me, I, I have trouble enjoying the smaller ring sizes because I end up pulling air in around the cigar and, uh, that is what it is. Do you think the, the box press makes it easier or more difficult for you to, um, to adjudicate that? Yeah. For, for me, box press is a challenge always. Um, with the small ring gauge, it was just impossible. Um, I kind of turned it like 90 degrees. So it was like a diamond shape and that made it a little easier. I could not get a seal on that 44 ring gauge box press. And that's that makes it annoying too cuz you're not getting you're not getting the proper draw. You don't have enough draw pressure on the cigar. Mm -hmm. You're not getting enough smoke into your into your mouth on your palate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking of smoke on the palate, um you know, I will uh, tell people pretty openly that I like a lot of Cohiba cigars. Uh, I don't like the price point on most of them. I think um they tend to be overpriced for what I get. But I will say that uh, so far, this is a very nice cigar. I've got very good smoke output, um, complex and changing flavors on the palate. Um, it seems to be constructed well. It's burning well. Um, so it's up to you to judge whether the price point is worth it. But so far, this is a very enjoyable smoke for me. And if you, if you handed this to me, unbanded, and uh, told me later that the binder was barrel aged. I'd I'd be a little shocked. Mm -hmm. It's very subtle. Um, I would I would honestly I would assume that it was just a a new blend of tobacco that they were trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we've gotten some good taste off of this cigar, and I think right now the uh, sort of peppery component is picking up a little bit for me. There's definitely um, that sweetness we were talking about, I was going to say caramel, but I'm actually, I'm going to say butterscotch. So there's this little, to me, like butterscotch um, flavor, which is nice, and a heavy wood component. I think, uh, you know, it's kind of cedary and uh, kind of oaky at the same time. It's going to be very interesting to see how this will change when we open this bottle. I think that, uh, yeah, a lot of the same... A lot of the same notes are still prominent for me, uh, as I'm still in the first third here. Um, but it's definitely developing. It's getting better. Well, it's certainly getting more complex for me. Um, you notice a raisin on the retrohale? I'm trying to think of, of what dried fruit exactly it is, but... It's, it's, it's something dried fruit. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's something with the texture... Or it's definitely the flavor. The flavor's definitely there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's it's definitely there. And I like how it uh it grabs your attention. 
the smoke really and, and flavors grabs your attention. The texture of the smoke, so this is an, an interesting smoke. It's not too heavy. Uh, it's not too light. Um, it's not uh, super creamy. It's not uh, super chewy. It's sort of just there and very homogeneous uh, on the palate. So I'm enjoying the mouthfeel. I'd say smoke output is um, light to medium. It's mm-hmm. not It's not a very yeah, heavy smoke-producing smoke cigar. Yeah. yeah. Well, with that, let's go ahead and open our bottle of Weller. So uh, Weller is produced at the Buffalo Trace Distillery down in Bourbonland, Kentucky. And we are drinking the Special Reserve, which is the 90-proof original wheated bourbon. And for Weller, this is their sort of lower-end product, which means it's still reasonably expensive. But the uh, big challenge with Weller is accessibility. So these are going on the secondary market for, you know, double the MSRP because I think right now you can find them on the shelf in Ohio. um, And that's kind of it. Yeah, I heard you you uh, rode your bicycle out to Ohio to pick this one up for us, actually. <laughs> yes, a big shout-out to John Deneen and the Kentucky Mafia for securing me this bottle and uh, spiriting it away here to Hanover, Pennsylvania, so we can enjoy it. Uh, I already have requests from multiple people to pull this stunt off again for them. So uh, nobody alert the authorities, but we might be doing some rum running in the near future. <laughs> So Weller has a pretty good name in the bourbon community, which uh, I'm a little bit a part of. I've got uh, quite a few business contacts and friends in Kentucky. I worked there for a while. Um, And uh, it's one of the higher-end brands that comes out of the Buffalo Trace uh, distillery. So we're going to go ahead and give this a little bit of a nose and a sniff. And for those of you that don't do whiskey tastings, when you smell the whiskey, you smell with your mouth open, and that keeps it from blasting your nose too much. Interesting. It smells like bourbon. So I'm going to give this a little sip. So there's a little heat. Um, If you're used to sort of your regular old whiskeys that typically bottle at 80 proof, this is a little stronger than that. But there's not a lot of uh, heat on it. It's definitely uh, smooth, I would say, smooth and clean. And uh, there's like a floral honey, like honeysuckle uh, in there. Yeah, I think first jump it comes off a little hot, but it, it cools down. Uh, yeah, it doesn't linger on the back of your palate like uh, some really strong bourbons do. John, you're the, uh, you're the bourbon expert here, so I'll defer to you. Just for a fair disclosure, neither Weller nor Cohiba are sponsoring this episode, which means I'm free to say whatever I want. And if I were being paid by them, I would be free to say very nice things. Um, as as it stands, this is a, a good bourbon. Like To me, this is a drinking bourbon. Uh, I would absolutely drink this neat, although I think my uh, whiskey tolerance and alcohol tolerance might be higher than some folks. Um, I do. It does taste a little delicate. I'm not sure how this would work like on the rocks. I think you could water it down too quickly uh, because the flavors are just really subtle. Um, What's your strategy for uh, tasting a bourbon or whiskey like this for the first time? Do you, do you start neat and then uh, add yeah. drops? Yeah, that that's typically how I do it. If it's um, like a very strong bourbon, then I will... Uh, typically taste it neat, uh, try to get some flavor notes, and then I will pour it over a rock and see how that tastes. And if that kind of kills it or blunts it, then I'll go back to the neat and I'll just start adding like splashes of cold water um, and uh, take it from there. So I had a uh, battle bourbon from uh, Covalent Distillery here uh, down south in Westminster, Maryland, and uh, they got this half barrel from a uh, very nice distillery 
out in Kentucky and rebottled it, and uh, it was barrel strength, 124 proof. So that was a really good example of, you know, a bourbon that uh, I had to drink on a rock. You know, it, it's just too much alcohol, and if it gets to the point where the alcohol is sort of blunting the flavor, then, uh, you know, it's time to time to put a, a rock in there. Would you say generally the uh, the lower proof or more palatable neat and the higher proof might need a little more tinkering with uh, with water or ice? Yeah, I mean, uh, if I'm in if I'm in an eighty proof bourbon, then I will typically just drink it neat. I, you know, there's usually not a reason to to mess with it. Um, now, some people like you know they just like their whiskey cold. That's okay. Uh, don't forget, you can put it in the freezer or the refrigerator and chill it. You know, you don't have to put it on a rock and risk watering it down. Um, but uh, you know, my initial I guess, uh, notes, tasting notes on this Weller. Um, you know, there's like caramel, honey, um, a lot of oak, which you typically expect. They're, you know, bourbons are aged in charred oak barrels. Um, there's not a lot of char, though, which is interesting. The, and the word that jumped out to me on this Weller bottle is weeded, which is, that's interesting to me. So what is that? Can you Can you tell me what that means? I have no idea, to be completely honest with you. So a bourbon mash bill, the mash bill is a sort of the contents. Um, there's has to be at least 51% corn to be bourbon. Uh, and then there's rye and barley. Um, what Weller does is they replace the rye with wheat or part of it uh, with wheat. And that's why it's called wheated bourbon. So typically a wheated bourbon is softer and sweeter. Um, you know, than a bourbon that has rye component instead of wheat. And that's really the claim to fame for Weller. You know, that's what sets this apart from other, you know, high-end bourbons that are kind of in on the same shelf space. It's like a uh, a method. It's obviously not a, a method itself. It's a blend. But um, this is what makes them different from, like, uh, what Jefferson's. They're the ones that put it in the barrel and, and put it, put out it out in the, the ocean. ocean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it it's um, the actual content of the bourbon is different. This you know, it's not branding; it's the way that the bourbon is made. And I think people that uh, enjoy uh, sweeter bourbons will definitely enjoy this. Um, but that's what's meant by weeded bourbon. So we have had a chance to taste the cigar. We've had a chance to taste the whiskey. Um, if you're looking for a morning, afternoon, or evening of Epicurean pleasure, I think this is a pretty good place to start. Uh, these are both high-end brands that are known for their quality and taste and flavor, and so far, I feel really spoiled uh, doing this. So maybe not something that I could do or afford to do every weekend, but definitely a bucket list experience. And with that... It is time for our Tobacconist Tip of the Week. And now, your Tobacconist Tip of the Week with Nicholas McCann. My Tobacconist Tip of the Week this week is regarding dry cigars. So fear not, all you cigar lovers. Having a cigar that you forgot about uh, and has dried out over time is not the end of things. Um, this is the beginning of a delicate process of rehumidification and rehydration. Um, and it's something that needs to be done pretty carefully because the tobaccos that we are dealing with in cigars do tend to be delicate, and we don't want to overhumidify them too quickly. Um, this will cause the wrap, the outer wrapper to burst uh, as the filler tobaccos expand too quickly. So we want to kind of gradually ramp up humidification. Uh, Bovida is a great brand. Uh, again, no sponsorship, um, and they they make uh, RH. Packs uh, from from thirty something to uh, eighty four is is the highest I've seen. I think so that that gradual reintroduction to humidity is the is the way to do it. So for a guy like me that uh, likes to enjoy cigars but doesn't necessarily like fucking around with them, um, can I give you my dry cigar? Yeah, yeah, I will. At Union Cigar Hanover, we'll absolutely babysit your cigars for you. 
Yeah, I would. Uh, I would love to. Um, sometimes it could be kind of a daunting task. You kind of have to check on it, check in, yeah, and make sure that it's it's going okay. But I am here. We are here to do that for you as well. So absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. I've had a few. I had a, a gray cliff that I had rolled for me at the factory in the Bahamas. And I forgot about it, and it was, like, in the bottom of my suitcase or something, and I found it six months later. Um, you know, that's an example of a cigar that I'd really like to rescue. You know, not so much because it's an awesome cigar as the memories associated with it. And, you know, when you smoke that, like, they all come back, and, you know, it's a, a great experience, which you can't enjoy when the cigar is dry. Um, but I, I also, you know, like, I'm not going to mess with it. I just, that's not me, man. I'm I'm high speed, low drag, you know, so being able to bring that in here to the shop and uh, let you try to rescue it for me. I think that's a pretty cool service. Yeah, it's a, it is a time-consuming, attention-oriented process. And I think that uh, it is not going to be the same cigar that it was when it was first rolled. And as long as you go into it knowing that, but knowing that we will still be able to hopefully make it smoke for you. It'll be smokable. Right. Yep. It'll be different, but it'll be smokable. Well, Nick, thanks for that tobacconist tip of the week. Now that we have had a chance to taste the cigar um, and taste the whiskey, we're going to pair them. So, you know, a a cigar pairing is challenging because it, you've got the flavors of the cigar playing on your palate, and then you're going to have something else, you know, and the question is, can they play together, right? And so this Weller by Cohiba is a co-branding effort, Um that doesn't mean that it will smoke well with Weller bourbon just because the the binder was aged in uh, Weller barrels. So we're about to find out if this pairing works. But before we do, let's uh, touch base on the flavors of this uh, cigar. Of course, the bourbon doesn't change flavor. So the original notes we had there still stand, and we are still drinking it neat. But tell me about your cigar. Where are you at, Nick? So interestingly enough, uh, the smoke in the cigar just got really dry for me. Hmm. Um, so it changed in that sense. I think more of the the wrapper came out, mm-hmm. and I got a lot of dryness from the smoke. I will actually second that. I'm also having a drier smoke, and it's starting to shift kind of away from the sweetness for me um much heavier wood component um and i'm starting to get like some competing flavors as opposed to complementary so i've got this uh, i'm starting to get this barbecued steak flavor in it you know like you you took a a steak and and seared the edge like on a flat plate um but also i don't know if you've noticed there's like a sourdough component so maybe those go together but then you throw in the leather and the spice and uh to me it's uh, maybe too complicated like it's good flavors and i like tasting the different flavors but they're almost fighting for space on my palate if that makes sense absolutely and again the in the first you know the first certainly beginning there was a predominant sweetness Mm-hmm. And that's we're taking steps away from it, and moving towards. I think what you said that the sourdough is a good example. I think not only of flavor but also of sort of the texture. Yeah, yeah. So that is an interesting mouthful of smoke. So and and uh, typically the way that I pair a cigar and a bourbon is I will take a nice mouthful of smoke, and then I will take a sip of bourbon or other whiskey. Um, there are ways to combine them. We're not going to get, uh, too, uh, technical here on the different ways of mixing and mashing. We're just going to do a simple puff and sip and let you know how it feels. Can I ask you a question real quick, John? Go ahead. Do you let the bourbon sit in your mouth for a couple of seconds or is it a swish around once down? You let it sit in there. What do well, you do? It's a great question because there's actually two, uh, different methods there. So one is you take the sip and swirl it like you normally would without a cigar. The other one, the, the other method is interesting, and you basically slam 
a sip straight down your throat and you try to avoid the tongue. Oh. And the palate. Really? Yeah. Um, and we're going to, let's try both. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you'll see the difference in, in flavor. So we're going to do the puff and sip method first. And I'm chewing the smoke a little bit. And now I'm going to sip this Weller. Interesting. And so with my sip, I also suck a little bit of oxygen in and kind of squeeze it against my palate with my tongue uh, before swallowing it. I don't swish. And I would say that uh, kind of what happened there is the bourbon definitely did not um, clash with the cigar, but it almost extinguished it. I think this smoke is sort of light enough that the bourbon almost just stamped it out. But I will say this, the uh, bourbon definitely like gave the smoke a sweet component. Like as soon as I did that, like all of the front of my palate, the sides of my tongue are like coated in sweetness that wasn't there with each, with either the cigar or the bourbon individually. The the cigar pool definitely reminded me of memories as a child with an indoor fireplace mm-hmm. and the smell of the, the burning wood. And it's interesting that you said that the bourbon almost stamped that out mm-hmm. uh, because I got the same thing. The sweetness from the bourbon kind of overtook that mm-hmm. almost immediately. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, at least with that tasting method, that these actually pair very well because you have this initial like leather, wood, charred smoke flavor that sort of splashes away into sweetness. And uh, I think it's very complimentary. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was that was excellent. So the second method is uh, you bolt the whiskey. You don't keep it on your tongue. Is and that what we call bolt? Bolt it, yeah. That's, bolt. What, that's what we say in my neck of the woods. We're going to bolt this whiskey. So... Uh, if you uh, if if you're out there listening and you want to know you know like why you would use these different methods for uh, pairing cigars and other drinks, it doesn't have to be whiskey. It could be wine. It could be tea. It could be coffee. Um, there are specific reasons, and I think uh, the podcast is probably too short to get into like the the nitty gritty details. But what we're going to do is we're going to do it and tell you what we experience. And then we hope that you go out and try it, if not with this particular uh, pairing, then with your own. So we're going to go ahead and get our cigar uh, nice and smoky, get a good mouthful of smoke. And Nick, I have noticed with this cigar that the wrapper and filler burns faster than the binder. I don't know if that has to do with the barrel aging process um but you know when the lit end of your cigar looks like a torpedo um that can be a problem and it changes the flavor yeah my knee-jerk reaction there is uh to put in on moisture content mm-hmm. due to the what you alluded to about the the barrel aging of the, of the binder um, but also broadleaf is a thicker wrapper yeah um you know it the sumatran wrapper could just be thinner in surface area and and naturally burn slow yeah. Uh, quicker yeah I, th- I think you're right I, th- I think the ecuadorian sumatra is going to to burn much faster than a connecticut broadleaf uh, probably will um so i'm going to go ahead and get a nice mouthful of smoke and then we are going to bolt this whiskey and see how that changes our experience okay so i uh, forgot to mention you uh, still have to have the smoke in your mouth when you bolt the whiskey with this method. Uh, for those of you out there that are trying this. Um, okay, so that was interesting because it was different um, than the previous tasting method. So here's what, uh, here's kind of what I experienced was the smoke from the cigar is sort of, you know, playing with the different parts of my palate and I'm getting both the sweet and the spicy and the wood and the leather. And then when I bolted the whiskey, I got this sharp, sweet, almost lemony, like citrusy component that went down. Um, Very uh, interesting, sort of surprising experience. Yeah, that was way different than the first taste. Right? So, all right, so I'm thinking here, the first way we did it, smoke, 
exhale, blow out, sip, coat the palate, down. Versus take smoke in, bolt the whiskey. It's like layering. Yeah. The first one's like layering. And the second one, you cut, you just kind of mash them together. Yeah, yeah. You mix them. Yeah. Yeah, it's always surprising to me, you know, when I do this, like how different the experience is from one method to the other. And uh, it's a good example of how you can just play with your your palate when you're, you know, kind of indulging like this uh, to try to get different experiences. Yeah, you can do sip, smoke, sip, smoke, sip, smoke, you know, any, yeah, any order, any method is good. I will also say as we're going along that uh, this cigar seems uh, drier than maybe I would expect, particularly uh, at this price point, but... It, it doesn't seem dry like it's improperly humidified. It seems like the act, some of the actual tobaccos, um, maybe it's a lower oil content in them. Um, and they're definitely burning at different rates. So I'll say that for sure. I think the uh, wrapper is burning the fastest, um, quite noticeably, because there's about a quarter inch of filler on my cigar, and then there's another three-eighths of an inch of binder sticking out of the end. What uh, what do you think of Nick? So I don't, uh, I'm not going to qualify my next statement, but the burn on the cigar has been terrible for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I probably smoke 25, 30 cigars a month. Mm-hmm. And uh, two or three are like this. Um, so unfortunately, I've been dealing with that on my end. Which is, you know, the question we ask is why? Mm-hmm. What's going on in the cigar that, that's making it do that? Um, but also the, the dryness that you described, I think is very accurate. It's a, it's a, I think it's got to come from a lot of the filler. All the, mm-hmm. the, the, the different mix of the filler tobaccos, the Honduran, Nicaraguan, the Piloto. Yeah. Yeah, um, and to uh, sort of qualify my experience like the the wrapper definitely feels correct like it's correctly humidified um it's uh appropriately oily it has a nice like uh shagreen finish to it you know it's not toothy but it has like a shagreen sort of feel to it um seems like a high quality wrapper can't speak to you know what's on the inside because i can't really see it or feel it um but uh i agree and i you know the the burning challenges that I'm having don't seem to be related to humidification at all. This seems to be, you know, just based on the, the sponginess of the cigar and all of that, like it's, it's properly humidified. I just think that the tobaccos don't play well together in the construction. Yeah. The, when you squeeze the cigar, there's, there's a little bit of give the appropriate amount of give with no cracking. Mm-hmm. The smoke isn't hot, mm-hmm. uh, which would be an indication to us, of, um, that it's under humidified. So I think, you know, ruling that out is safe. But it's a it's a weird, like makes you wonder kind of thing. It's an odd burn for sure. You know, I mean, I've seen burns like this in like sandwiches or you know short filler, uh, but for a long filler uh, cigar, like you said, uh, you know, two out of thirty, you know, you might have an experience like this, um, something like that. So I I say uh, I'm disappointed in the burn for what this is. You know, this is supposed to be a high end collaboration. Um, you know, it's a high priced cigar and the fact that we're both having the same experience tells me that, you know, I didn't just get a one off. Yeah. Sitting in the windless still back room here at the smoky hot box, Yeah, the Blanco lounge union cigar Hanover, which, uh, we are not in the lounge for all of you out there. We are in our hidden back room where we make secret deals and run the mafia. And, uh, we have our 24 by 24 inch burn line podcast, uh, canvas on the wall, as well as a gambling machine and a snack machine and a humidor and all kinds of bric-a-brac that really makes this a homey place to, to smoke and feel like big men because we are. Um, but uh, it is a controlled environment, you know, partly for the podcast. You know, there's there's no air movement, stuff like that. So it's, it's a sort of pure, you know, experience, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I'm comfortable talking about the burn because, like I said, I always burn one before the podcast because I want to smoke the entire cigar and get 
you know, good notes because we, you know, we, we might not get to the full uh, cigar on the podcast. And I had the same experience. And by the way, it was from a different box uh, and actually a different uh, cigar store. Don't tell anybody. So <laughs> having the same experience from two different humidors, two different boxes, three different cigars, I think it is the cigar. I think it's the construction. Um, and yeah, I, it's disappointing to me. I, I really would expect more from, from this price point. Uh, but I guess the next question would be, is it a, 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 really does it affect your experience? Like, is it still a good cigar? Is it still enjoyable? Would you still buy it again? What, what are you thinking there? Not to get too technical, but I think we have to look at um, the different aspects of the cigars independently mm-hmm. and then kind of as a whole. Um, so we can talk about the flavors of the cigar without talking about the burn. Sure, yeah. Um, undoubtedly, though, the burn will affect the flavors. Yeah. So if we if we give two thumbs up to the flavors um, and the burns, so so, you know, who's to say that the the flavors couldn't be better in the end, um, and whatnot. But also, it's a like a taxing thing. You know, we want to relax. We're not smoking a pipe. Right. Right. We don't want to fidget with our cigar. Right. Um, and I think that's like mentally, it can be um, like, oh darn again. Yeah. Got to touch this up again. Yeah, I will say that the uh, fermentation on the leaves seems to be top-notch, the way that the cigar is ashing. Um, you can tell that a lot of the ammonia and all of that is gone, so they did uh, take appropriate care, I think, in aging the contents of the cigar. Um, and the ash is also dry. Um, doesn't uh, sort of clump, you know, the way that uh, a lot of cigars do. So... That's kind of where we're at. I think the pairing is excellent. Um, So I wasn't sure, you know, just because it was aged in Weller barrels doesn't mean that these are going to pair well. They do pair well. And I think once you get out of the first third and that sweetness sort of goes away, I think the sweetness of the the Weller really complements it. And with that note, it is time for what really grinds my gears. You know what really grinds my gears? Nick, what grinds your gears? Uh, this week, what grinds my gears is uh, grocery store shopping carts that are broken. For real. Like, why can't you figure out the wheels and the, you know, how come they're always stuck together? Yeah. it's And it seems like every single one that I get has a, a lame wheel or it's got something stuck mm-hmm. in the wheel and it's not one wheel's not rolling and I'm staring at it the whole time I'm walking down the aisle fighting with this cart to get it to get it through the store. Yeah. Or you get the one wheel that is just that's just going like. Ka-chunk, 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 the whole time that you're you're trying to, to drive it around. Yeah, it's sideways. I mean, you would think in 2023 that we would have invented something a little more effective than a giant wire basket on wheels that uh, never works. Um, and what are people doing to these cars? Like, seriously, how does it end up? Are, are they hitting them in the parking lot? Or, like, what's going on? Like, this is a giant chunk of metal with, you know, industrial casters and we can't find a good one, it seems like there's a problem there. Yeah, durability uh, might be something we need to, to look at again. Yeah, it seems like they're throwing the freaking carts across the parking lot. Well, back in my age, we uh, built things out of real metal and stone. Um, so what grinds my gears? Short form social media. All of your Twitters, Instagrams, your uh, Reels, your TikToks, these are all designed to sort of give you a quick dopamine hit without you having to engage your brain. And it's a real problem because we are raising a generation of people that can't finish a conversation or think logically through things. So I'm going to be that guy that gets out there on a cigar podcast and talks about how the world's going to hell in a handbasket and how things were better in the good old days when we had shopping carts that work and say that short form social media is a real problem. And uh, I hope we fix it. Especially especially an age sensitive problem. It is. Yeah. You don't want to cultivate... Yeah. The next generation under the guise of short form social media. It's a bad idea. And I have a nine year old daughter who, you know, she's into Roblox and all that stuff that uh, kids do these days. And, you know, it's a real problem having social media platforms where you can't actually engage with another human because that's where real life happens. You know, everything is like instant reactionary thumbs up, thumbs down. Well, what if you treated real life like that? You're in, you're in trouble, you know. 
What do you think about this uh, complex legislation that's before the Senate? Laughing, uh, laughing emoji. Yeah, laughing emoji, thumbs up. Well, no, like, it's horse trading, you know? Like, for this to work, there has to be give and take and compromise, and all of that takes a level of cognition and thinking that, you know, goes well beyond, like, what's my instant reaction to this, right? And I hate the idea that we're maybe conditioning kids to not think carefully about things and not have nuance. You know, that's nuance is the thing that makes civilization work, right? Yeah, notifications too, that that instant, mm-hmm. you said rush of dopamine, that instant gratification that you get. Mm-hmm. So-and-so posted a new photo, so-and-so posted a new tweet. It's, uh, yeah, it's like you can't get away from it. Yeah, and this linking of my social value to how many followers or likes I have. Well, let me tell you. There are some really nasty people in the world that have a ton of followers and commentary and everything else just because they're famous and uh, having likes, having commentary, having followers doesn't say anything about the quality of your moral character or your ability to contribute in the world. And so it's sort of a false association. Uh, We have moved away from my value to the community is based in my character and my production and what I do for others and has turned into a very narcissistic and uh, basically, you know, it's it's like the uh, Bitcoin of uh, society where the value is um, it's not real, you know. I don't know if you guys can tell, but John doesn't have a lot of followers on social media. I'm very bitter. <laughs> It's hard to follow someone that's not on social media. All right, so I think it's time to move into our final tastes and final thoughts. And since this is a pairing event, uh, I will start with the pairing. Um, this is a great bourbon. Um, I think it's it's worth it. Now, I did get this for MSRP, which is affordable. Um, if you get it on the secondary market, which you're probably going to do if you're in this neck of the woods, um, that's up to you, you know, what value you place on it. But it's a good, good bourbon. It's got, uh, you know, some, some caramel, some like honeysuckle, that sort of floral honey uh, flavor to it. Nice and sweet. Um, very smooth. I would drink this straight. You know, I'd drink it neat all day, despite the 90 proof. And it pairs exceptionally well with this cigar. I think the flavors complement each other very well. And... I don't know if they were trying to do that or not. I heard in the uh, original Weller by Cohiba, they were actually drinking Weller while they blended the cigar. And perhaps some of that came through um, with this second edition, um, although the second edition does specifically have the binder aged in Weller barrels. So that's my thoughts on the pairing. I think it's a great experience. Uh, Nick, how about you? I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, there's definitely a, a honey, even looking at it, it's got like a honey hue to the, the bourbon. It's pretty dark. Um, but I think that overall, this might be a stretch, but I think the bourbon lifts up the cigar. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it elevates the, uh, the cigar taste and experience. Yeah. So if you like the Weller by Cohiba cigar, we submit that it will only get better with the Weller drink itself with the Weller bourbon. So if we look at the uh, components individually uh, for the Weller bourbon, you know, if you're a bourbon person, you're going to experience uh, something a little different and unique with the Weller. If you're not, it's a good, uh, good whiskey. It's a good spirit. Um, it is on the sweet side for folks. Um, and, and I think it's enjoyable. Um, the cigar... I'm uh, really middle of the road with this cigar. So here's the tasting notes that I have from the first, second, and third of the cigar um, from both this smoke and my previous smoke. Here's some of the flavors that I tasted. Black coffee, honey, wood, spice, leather, almonds or some kind of creamy nut, sourdough, charred steak, and like a cinnamon spice. Uh, that's a lot of flavors, as well as like peppery raisin on the retrohale. There's some weird, some weird combos in there too. Some weird combos in there. Um, I think my take on the cigar is there's a lot of flavors to explore, which is great. 
there's probably too many. I think it. Uh, I think they're really competing on my palate, and it's a little distracting. Um, the construction and burn is not exactly what I would be looking for in a cigar of this price point. Um, so the big question for us on this podcast is always like, will I smoke it again? And the answer is probably not. Um, I think it's priced too high to, you know, smoke it again for, for what I'm getting. Um, having said that, there was definitely some care and thought put into the construction of the cigar. Uh, you can tell by kind of the way that it's blended that they went to a lot of effort. Um, and there are a lot of flavors, and they stand out. So so that's a positive note. But uh, overall... Um, if I wasn't pairing this with Weller, I, I definitely wouldn't smoke it again. Yeah, I think the the final takeaway for me comes in two points. The first being, I would love to see this cigar burn well. Mm. I would love to, you know, if someone handed you another one and said, John, I guarantee you this is going to burn perfectly. I I would think that you would you might right, try right. it again. I, I would absolutely try it again. Yep. Um, and then... The second thing, like I said, about the bourbon uplifting the cigar, this cigar didn't do enough on its own to make me never want to pick it up again. Right. It was okay enough. It was good enough that I would be open to revisiting it. And I think that like there, when I, when I judge cigars, they kind of fall into three categories, right? The first one is I would never smoke the cigar again. The second one is it didn't do enough to deter me from smoking it again. And the third one is... I'm definitely going to smoke it again. Yeah. And this yeah. one falls in the middle of the three categories. Yeah, I think that's a really fair uh, take on it. I think uh, for me, the uh, I guess the deterrent is just the price point. You know, if this was a $13 cigar, I would smoke it again. Absolutely. At twice that price, um, you know, I'm probably not going to pick one up again unless I'm going to pair it with this this bourbon. I think uh, combined, it's a really awesome experience. And I would actually encourage our listeners to go out and try it. If you can get your hands on a bottle of Weller Special Reserve and one of these uh, Weller by Cohiba cigars, it does make a really good pairing. So there's that. Yeah, thank you for sharing this with me, John. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is a wrap for this week's episode. For all of you out there in the internets, thank you for joining us. We hope to join you again next week. As always, this is Burnline Podcast, signing off. Burn